Hit him with a strike. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ego. Slendy, Ayy. You already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 467 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 13th, 2023. And the San Diego Padres, they just took two out of three in L.A. against the Los Angeles Dodgers. The first regular season series that this Padres team has won against those Dodgers since June of 2021. And I believe that series, the Padres swept the Dodgers. And I think that one was at Dodger Stadium as well. So it has been a while. And no, this does not change the season around. This does not put the Padres in the postseason. This does not make the Padres season a successful season. But what it does do, at least part of it, was strengthen Blake Snell's Cy Young case. I mean, that's really what Padre fans have right now. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about you Darvish being shut down. Joe Musgrove still hoping to pitch. Manny Machado being out of the lineup tonight, second time in the last four days. Should he be shut down? There's a lot to talk about. Fernando Tatis Jr. and the cleats that he was supposed to wear, I guess. He never ended up wearing those, so we can talk about that if you want as well. Uh, but the Padres tonight in the series finale getting the 6-1 to one win over the Dodgers. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat as always. Love giving Padre fans that opportunity to come on and talk about our favorite team. And if you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button there in the chat. I will definitely get to your comments here in a little bit after I talk about this Padres Dodgers series, hit on the U Darvish topic, uh, probably go to the chat, then talk about Musgrove. So we'll be going back and forth tonight. Uh, just a reminder, before we get going here, you can use my code TALKINGFRIARS for $20 off your SeatGeek order, and visit BreakingTea.com, the link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave, some great shirts and sweatshirts there, and FOCO, click the link in the description for that as well, some great bobbleheads and Padres collectibles as well. Okay, I want to start with tonight's game because it obviously just happened, Padres win 6-1, great offensive night, I thought, for the most part, right? Campy has a big three-run jack. Tatis a couple runs driven in. Juan Soto takes a ball that was right down the middle of the plate, hits his 30th home run of the year. When that happened, I was like, oh, 30 home runs. I I guess I didn't realize how many home runs Juan had already hit on the season. So congratulations to him. But I, I don't really care too much because it doesn't mean anything. The season's over. Uh, but Blake Snell... I could say the same thing about Blake Snell, like I don't care the season's over, but Juan Soto's not in like an MVP race. You know, Blake Snell, he's in the Cy Young race and he might be the front runner for the Cy Young after tonight's start. I think he has he has an innings advantage on Justin Steele right now because I think he's started one more outing than Justin Steele. So obviously the numbers aren't going to be totally matched up there in terms of innings and all of that. But they did put a graphic up on the Padres broadcast comparing Blake Snell, Justin Steele, and I think Zach Gallon was on there. I think a couple other pitchers that were in contention to win this National League Cy Young Award, they were also on there. And Blake Snell's stats right now, they look favorable 
to all of those guys. Uh, Cubs fans, they would say Justin Steele deserves it over Blake Snell, has a better whip, wait till he has another start, and it'll be more comparable numbers. Like, as I said the other day, both fan bases, either side of the argument that you want to take, if you're for Blake Snell, if you're for Justin Steele, you have a pretty solid argument. Blake Snell now, after going six innings tonight, giving up one hit, just gave up one hit. He was really good tonight. Got out of like the one jam, if you want to call it. Mookie Betts was on second base, got a weak grounder from Freddie Freeman to first. Gets out of it. Only one walk, eight punch outs, obviously no runs. After this outing tonight, he now has a 2-4-3 ERA, which is better than Justin Steele's ERA. He has a 1-2-2 whip, 167 innings, and 217 strikeouts, which obviously blows Justin Steele out of the water in terms of strikeouts. And I can pull up Justin Steele's numbers right now just to compare the two. But again, it's not totally comparable because Blake Snow, I think he's, he's a start up on Justin Steele. But Justin Steele, 249 ERA, Blake Snell, 243, 1126 whip for Steele, 122 for Snell, 167 innings for Snell, 159 for Steele. See, there's, there, there's where you see the gap there, right? For now, uh, 217 strikeouts for Snell after tonight, and 159 for Justin Steele. So obviously, those two guys, they're, they're two different pitchers, at least this season. Steele's not as much as a strikeout guy. Blake Snell really relies on the strikeouts. When he has more walks than Justin Steele, obviously, he's walking a bunch of guys. He has relied on that strikeout because if he did not rely on the strikeout, he probably would not have as good of an ERA this year because there would have been a sack fly. There would have been a ball that would have gotten through the infield and those add up throughout the season, right? But yeah, Blake, I mean, he's putting himself in good position to win this Cy Young Award. Again, there's, there's some Padre fans out there. I think I said this on my pregame thoughts today. There's some Padre fans out there that aren't going to care about this. They don't care. Padres didn't make the postseason. The season's a failure. And they know Blake Snell's going to leave in free agency anyway, so who cares? And I kind of want to lean that way because I don't feel like super emotionally attached to Blake Snell because I think he's going to leave in the offseason. So it's like, yeah, I mean, Padres not going to make the postseason. It would be different if they're going to be in a postseason. Right. And they're like the Cubs fighting for a postseason spot. That would be different. But here it's like, I mean, it almost makes you feel worse. Blake Snell's having this Cy Young caliber season, and the Padres are going to be sitting on the couch on October 2nd. They're going to be golfing. You know, it's like, wow, what a waste. What a waste of Josh Hader's season. Didn't trade him. And you just didn't win. What a waste of Blake Snell's season. Didn't trade him. And if you were going to keep him like they did, just didn't win. What a waste of Pasang Kim's season. I mean, just the, the starting pitching ERA, one of the best in baseball. Just what a waste of a season. And I talked about with the, talked about this with Jim Russell, obviously, on the show earlier this week. And you can check that out on podcast platforms and on YouTube. But it's just like, what if I told you all of these great things would have happened and the Padres would still be a non-playoff team, right? And if you watch this team day in, day out, it's not a surprise why. You know, you just go to, well, what if I also told you that Xander, Tatis, Bogart, Xander is Bogarts, Xander, Tatis, Soto, Manny, Cronenworth, they're all going to have down years when you, you know, compare 
each of their seasons to past seasons, right? Like it's been disappointing when Darvish is going to have a disappointing year. I think Musgrove disappointing mostly because he just hasn't been healthy. The bullpen's going to be inconsistent. Like then it's like, eh, it's not that much of a surprise. It's still a waste of those seasons, no doubt, but it's not as much as a surprise when you really have the full context. But uh, tonight, you know, a 6-1 to one win, good win. Just like Monday was a good win, I thought. Um, now, Pedro Avila stunk, gave up a ton of runs, but the Padres had a comeback win there. They were down 8-8, to, was it 8-2? No, 7-2, I think, in that game. 7-2, they were down. They come back, obviously, and it was big nights from big guys in that lineup, right? Big inning, obviously, from the Dodgers there in the bottom of the third. Betts had the double. It, it was funny. I know I'm kind of jumping around here. I'm not going like today, yesterday, first game. I went today, first game. But these were the two wins the Padres had in this series. And it was funny. The Mookie Betts double, the fan on Monday night catches the ball because he reaches over. He knows what he's doing. And he immediately dips. He's like, I'm out of here. They're going to kick me out. I'm going. And he, he had a bag of baseballs with him. So he's just one of those guys that goes around catching balls and batting practice probably, knows where hitters go, probably like Dodger Stadium's version of Zach Hample or whatever. Uh, so that was kind of funny. Knew exactly what he was doing. Manny has a home run. Had a couple home runs actually on Monday. Uh, the second home run passed Tony Gwynn on the all-time home run list in Padres franchise history. Now, some would be like, well, that's not that impressive. We know Manny, he can hit home runs, and Tony Gwynn was not a home run hitter. I still think it's impressive because Tony Gwynn is one of the best hitters of all time. And Manny, that, that's, that's still a lot of home runs to hit in a less than five-year span now, right? 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, less than five years, and 2020 was obviously a shortened season. Um, but I, I had this graphic from Monday. Because, so Manny, he's at 136 home runs in Padres' all-time franchise history. Tony Gwynn at 135. I wanted to look at the strikeouts. And actually, Padre fan Brett, uh, for anyone that knows, longtime viewer or listener of the show, he was on the show, I want to say it was earlier this year, or maybe in the offseason. And uh, he, we were texting back and forth on Monday, and he was wondering how many strikeouts does Manny have compared to Tony. And so that made me think about this. And just comparing the two guys, like Manny, I think we can compliment him for the amount of home runs that he has hit with the Padres so far. But just look at the strikeouts. This, this, is, this isn't more like to, to, to bash Manny. It's more about elevating Tony Gwynn and just continuing to show how freaking special this guy was. Manny Machado in 647 games as a Padre. He has 500 strikeouts. And that's not updated to um, today or through today. That was just through Monday night. Tony Gwynn, 2,440 games as a Padre, right? Two decades. 434 strikeouts. Let me say that again. Manny Machado has 500 strikeouts, 647 games. Through his first 647 games, 500 punch-outs. Tony Gwynn, 
in his entire career, 2,440 games, has less strikeouts. 434 strikeouts. Has over 60 fewer strikeouts than Manny. In his entire career, compared to Manny's first half of his first, no, first, first like third of his Padres career, right? Because he's going to be here for another decade. He's been here for like five years now. So th that just shows how freaking impressive Tony was. And for anyone that was fortunate enough to see him live and watch him live, uh, hopefully you never took that for granted because I sure wish I was able to watch that guy live, be able to do his thing. Man, that just watching things back, really, really impressive, obviously. Um, so that, that was an interesting stat from Monday. But yeah, it was a, a good overall performance, and you could say it was the Padres' best win of the season. On Monday night, you know, with the comeback that they had, Juan Soto with the big home run, his 29th home run of the year before obviously hitting his 30th tonight. Big home run, made it 10-7 in the top of the ninth there. Huge bat flip. And he stared at that thing. Had a lot of fun rounding the bases, obviously. And it was a good win. I'm not going to say it was the best win of the Padres season. I get it. The comeback was great. But I'm talking about overall best win. The one that comes to mind for me, I think it was July 4th. Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels. Joe Musgrove on the mound for the Padres. Yes, the Angels are not as good as the Padres. And Mike Trout, I believe, had already exited that series before that game. But, I mean, Musgrove, he outdueled Shohei. Crony and Bogarts, I believe, hit back-to-back -back home runs in that game. It was just a really solid all-around performance. I think it was a better all-around performance than this Monday game against the Dodgers. You know, that they got down in a 7-2 to two hole, right? So, good comeback win. One of the better wins of the year. But I think I'd put the Angels one ahead of that. It was at home, July 4th. Again, Musgrove, Otani. It was really hyped up. I'd go with that. But at the end of the day, both wins ended up not mattering because the Padres aren't going to be a postseason team. That's what's sad about this, right? It's not like Monday's win, tonight's win, you can sit here and say, oh, well, those wins put the Padres in front of the Dodgers in the NL West. Those are going to be huge at the end of the year. Those wins put the Padres in a postseason spot. Or those wins put the Padres at home field advantage in the wild card or something like that. You know, can't say that because the Padres aren't going to be a postseason team. So, unfortunate. Um, we'll get to the, actually, I'll just touch on it now, actually. Yeah. So Manny, 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 sometimes it's like, just shut it down, you know, just realize the situation. Um, he, he told reporters after Monday's game that he is considering having the elbow surgery in the offseason. He's considering shutting it down this season. And obviously in the series finale here, Against the Dodgers, he sat. He also sat on Sunday against the Astros. So that's two times in the last four days that Manny Machado has sat. And that's entering an off day before the A series. So if the Padres were in this, would have Manny played? Probably. But he's sitting here. So that should tell you, like, okay, just shut it down. You're obviously not good enough. And Bob Melvin is okay with sitting. Manny is okay with sitting or else he'd be in the lineup. He would find a way to be in the lineup. If he truly thought he needed to be in the lineup and the Padres were in it, he probably would be in the lineup. 
because he has continued to fight through some serious injuries with the Padres. So it's over. Shut it down. But he says here via Kevin AC, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens about him playing. As of now, I'm playing. Got to go out there and try to win some games and just keep doing what we've been doing. And what I would say about that is just keep doing what we've been doing. You mean losing games? Not playing good enough? Not being a postseason team? That's what you're going to continue doing. Possibly hurting yourself more? That's what you're going to continue doing. Try to win some games? For what? I know the competitive juices in there, right? Like you're trying to win. Every time you're on that field, you're trying to win. And I'm not saying the players on the field shouldn't try to win. Of course they should. It's their job, right? And Manny, it's his job to suit up every day and play. But this isn't a situation where he's a free agent at the end of the year. The Padres have already signed him the extension. He's, a, he's the Padre for the rest of his life, for the next decade plus. So the Padres, they need to have that thought in mind. The season's going nowhere. You have a 0% shot of winning the World Series. Literally, Fangraphs has them at a 0% shot to win the World Series. What is the point in Manny continuing to play? He talks about the elbow surgery. Possibly. Yeah, probably. It's a consideration. We're looking at all avenues and seeing what we can do to try to get this fixed and get it better. So you're considering the elbow surgery. Looking at all avenues, seeing what we can do to try to get this fixed and get it better. If you're thinking about that, it's obviously serious. It's a recurring thing. Again, this season's going nowhere. Why are you still playing? How about just go get the surgery now so you can be ready for spring training and you'll have more time in the offseason to get ready for spring training? You will get healthier earlier instead of playing at the Oakland Coliseum in front of 500 people over the weekend with a hurt elbow. You know, like I, I love that he's trying to set an example, like you got to play every day. You, who cares if you're hurting? Other people are hurting. You got to play. Like, and he, he showed that last year, you know, like leading by example, fighting through injury, working his butt off, rehabbing to get back way earlier than most players would have gotten last year. But when the season is over and you're here for the next decade, how about be a leader in terms of I'm going to do the right decision for the team and the right decision for the team, the right decision, making that right decision is what should be at the forefront of his mind. And the right decision would be to shut it down. And you don't have to make the decision right now, I guess, if you want to have this, the elbow surgery or not. But if you're going to have it, I mean, I would prefer him to have it now than once the season ends, because you're just delaying when you'd be ready to fully off-season train with your with that elbow, right? You're delaying that. And I want you ready for spring training. I don't want some recurring elbow thing coming up. Oh, he's experiencing elbow pain in spring training, so we're going to shut him down for a few days. I don't want to hear that. Like, we need Manny Machado. Padres fans, the Padres organization, Bob Melvin, if he's here in 2024, who knows about that? We need Manny Machado. And some might want to bash him and, oh, he's had a bad season. Oh, it was a bad contract. I am definitely not going to say that. Less than a year in, what he has done for this franchise, what he did last year for the franchise, 
not going to say that. Definitely not going to give up on Manny Machado less than a year into this 11-year, $350 million contract. Yeah, it was a bad year. He knows that. He definitely knows that. And he got hurt multiple times. He went on the IL and should go on the IL now with the elbow, right? So I think he's going to have a better year next year. He's going to use this as motivation. But for him to have a better year next year, he needs to be healthy next year. And him continuing to play, I don't see how that helps him for next year. And right now, next year needs to be the priority for Manny Machado, for people that are under contract next year that are hurt. Because this year, it's not going anywhere. So, Manny, shut it down. Padres, make the decision for Manny Machado. I get it. He has a lot of power in this organization. I understand that. But take it out of his hands. Make the decision for him. Because he's probably not going to want to shut it down. That's just who he is, the competitor in him. If he wanted to shut it down, he probably would have already shut it down. So the Padres need to make a decision for him. You're not playing anymore. You're going on the IL. That's it. You're playing for us, Manny, right? We don't play for you. You play for us. We're giving you $350 million here, dude. I think over $500 million in total with the Padres. So listen to us. You're going on the IL. Season's not going anywhere. And that's that. That's, that's what it needs to be with Manny Machado right now. That's just what it needs to be. All right. Hitting on Tuesday's game. And by the way, Monday's game, I know who really cares, but I just have some notes that I always take. Uh, Monday's game, shout out to the bullpen. Six and a third innings after Pedro Avila struggled there. Just gave up one earned run. Josh Hader was the only guy that gave up a run in that outing. Uh, or in that game, I should say, Ray Kerr, Luis Garcia, Tom Cosgrove, Robert Suarez coming in, not giving up any runs. Hader, 43 pitches in that ninth inning. So glad we continue to have Josh Hader on this team. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and bash that performance. I mean, he hadn't pitched in eight days. September 3rd was the last time he pitched before September 11th. He just doesn't pitch. They could have gotten something back for Hader. Right, someone would have wanted Josh Hader. Multiple teams probably wanted Josh Hader, and the Padres said no. And he's going to walk in free agency, sign somewhere for probably a hundred million dollars, and that's that. And you're going to get what a draft pick back for it. I hope AJ loves that draft pick that he gets back. That dude better turn into an all-star closer or an all-star player, because you maybe could have gotten that back for Josh Hader. Some team probably was going to get desperate and give you a top 10 prospect for Josh Hader that maybe maybe they wouldn't have turned into an all-star player. Who knows? You could have flipped them in another trade in the offseason. Could have been a top 10, top 15 prospect in your system. Could have ended up being one of those cheap contracts that the Padres are going to need in the future. Who knows? But, I mean, we're, we're not going to know because the Padres ended up not making that those moves that I thought should have been made, trading Snell, trading Hader before the deadline. But yeah, 43 pitches on Monday. So we're probably not going to see Josh Hader for another couple weeks. So don't hold your breath on that one. Uh, hopefully he will be alive in a couple weeks. For anyone that doesn't know, I, I make that joke on Twitter. Obviously, I'm joking. It's just that he just doesn't pitch. He doesn't pitch. It's, it's frustrating. 
You know, right now, like, okay, who really cares, right? Season's already over. But in early August, he could have been pitching more. He definitely could have been pitching more in situations that probably needed Josh Hader to pitch in. And some would say, or the Padres would say, it wasn't a safe situation. Yeah, but you need to win games. Put your best reliever in the game, and you'll figure the rest out later. Like, you're paying him a lot of money. This is your last year with him. Use him. And the Padres have not used him enough this season, in my opinion. All right, Tuesday's loss. That sucked yesterday. Uh, Padres lose 11-2. to Michael Waka. Four innings, seven earned runs, three walks, three punch outs, two home runs allowed. Fastball, left it over the plate a couple times. Freddie Freeman got him extended on that one. Will Smith, that ball was a meatball. Talk about a ball right down the middle. Holy cow. He could not have placed that ball any better. Just right down the middle. Here you go. Fastball. Homer, dead center. Uh, so, yeah, that was not a fun night. Uh, and Michael Walker, I mean, is it the worst thing in the world that Michael Walker doesn't pitch that great here at the end? Maybe it creates question marks among Padre fans and Padres in the front office. Should we give Michael Walker $16 million a year on these club options? Because I, I think he would go make more in free agency even if he does struggle here at the end, because he had a sub three ERA almost the entire season. I don't know what his ERA is at now. Let me see here. Three, four, three, but I think he had a sub three ERA for most of the season. So I think he could get more than 8 million or whatever the player option is for next year on the free agent market. Maybe he wants the years though. And if he takes the player option in the off season from the Padres, there's two more player options, I believe, after that. So he could technically have a three-year contract guaranteed regardless of how the rest of this year finishes. And maybe he doesn't get that on the... Maybe he won't think, or his agent won't think that he can get that on the free agent market, so he'll just sign back. Maybe he thinks, hey, it's not a guarantee that a contender really, really wants me, and I think the Padres will contend next year, so I'm going to just come back to the Padres. I'm going to ask the Padres, hey... I'm not going to take the player option. I think I can get more on the free agent market, but I want to come back to the Padres. Is there a way we can work out something where it's a three-year deal still and I get a little bit of a raise on that player option? I'm not asking for $16 million like the club option, but give me something in the middle. Is that fair? Maybe that's what the Padres and Michael Walker end up deciding on doing. With, with the state of this rotation, I mean, Snell, I think he's gone. Lugo? could be gone. Darvish Musgrove, injury questions, right? So this rotation, it's, it doesn't look very great going into this offseason right now. So yes, I would definitely welcome Michael Waka back into this rotation. You need depth though, obviously, because Michael Waka, I think you have to pencil in an injury. At some point, he's going to go on the IL. He's going to deal with some type of setback. The shoulder, he's had issues with that. You just hope that he's healthy down the stretch. You hope that he can have a sub- three ERA, sub four ERA definitely for the season, like he has so far this season. He locates well, doesn't lose that feel. That's what you got to hope if you're the Padres, but they need arms in that rotation, and they can guarantee getting Michael Walker back in that rotation if they give him the club option for 16 mil for 2023 
I think maybe 16 and a half mil, but 16 mil about for 23, or excuse me, for 24, this is 23, 24 and 25. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if it's the worst thing for Waka to be struggling here at the end, uh, but was not the best outing. Tatis had a home run last night, but really, who cares? Whatever. Uh, Nick Hernandez made his big league debut. Congratulations to him. Looked pretty good those first couple innings. Padres sent him back out for the third. Didn't go that great. But, you know, got to be a cool moment for Nick Hernandez, obviously, there. You know, striking out. I think he struck out Freddie Freeman. Struck out Jason Hayward for his first big league strikeout. So that, that's a moment that he's not going to forget, right? So good job out of him there. First couple innings against the Dodgers last night. Uh, and then... I'd be dumb not to mention this. Uh, Trent Grisham. Fourth inning, bases are loaded. And was this the difference in them winning or losing? No. I mean, they lost 11-2, to two, okay? Like, it's really not that big of a deal. But it was a talking point. Trent Grisham, bases loaded, fourth inning, no outs, I believe, down 4 nothing, and he bumps. He gives the Dodgers an out. And he's hitting sixth in the order on Tuesday. So the bottom of the order is coming up. Matthew Batten is coming up after him, I believe. Obviously, the Dodgers, I think they retire. The next two guys, Lance Lynn does. And Lance Lynn admitted after the game, like, yeah, uh, kind of like, thank you, Trent, for doing that. Dave Roberts as well. Like, that changed the game is what he said. And it's just, I'm watching that. It's like, are you kidding, Trent? Why are you bunting? And obviously, Bowmel didn't call for that. So anyone that thinks Bowmel called for that, I don't know what to tell you. He obviously didn't call for that. That would be stupid on his part, right? You want to you want to be fired? Call for a bunt there with the bases loaded. No outs, down 4 nothing, right? He didn't call for it. Trent did it. He saw the third baseman back, I guess. Bomell tried to defend it in the post-game presser and all that because that's just what he's going to do. Defend the players, right? But just a terrible decision. I mean, seriously. Now... I'm definitely not going to go as far as Jim Russell did, who obviously joined the show earlier this week. Talk about a hot take. Jim said Trent should be DFA'd immediately. And that's a dumb take, in my opinion. I mean, come on. Come on, Jim. He should be DFA'd. There's been some bad things that have happened this, that have happened this year for the Padres, and there have been no repercussions for those things that have happened. So Trent Grisham, in a meaningless game, him making one bad decision bunting with the bases loaded. It scored a run, by the way. Him doing that, he should be DFA'd. I mean, come on. I think he still has multiple years of control left on his contract. And I get it. He strikes out a lot. Not great offensively. Bottom of the order. A lot of the time, feels like it's just a hole in the order. I get it. But DFA'd? he still deserves to be in the major leagues just based off of his defense. And some will say, oh, I don't care about defense. You can find someone else to do that. Can you? You can find... I think Jim said, I forget if it was on the wrap-up show last night or on uh, John and Jim today, he said you could find 50 other people that could do that same thing. No, you can't. You can't. You might not like Trent Grisham, but he is a valuable player at the big league level in center field. You might not like that, and you might not want to hear that, but he is. So maybe the Padres, they have Tatis go to center field. They bring in a power-hitting corner outfielder next for next year, 
and Trent ends up just being a bench player and can come in defensively for Soto, for the right fielder, whatever. You'd have to, you can have Tatis go to right, Grish go to center late in games, like Manny Margot did at one point. Like, okay. But Trent does have the power potential. You go look up his baseball savant page, which I'm looking at right now. His walk rate is really good. He doesn't chase. The K rate, not good. I get that. But the barrel percentage, when he does make contact, it's usually a barrel. So front offices, the Padres, they're going to look at that and be like, let's find a way for Grish to make more consistent contact. You look at his fielding value. It is great. 89th percentile. You look at outs above average. Range. It is great. 94th percentile. It is great. He still should be on the Padres next year if they can't find a trade partner, at least to be on the bench. Like, I want Trent Grisham to at least be on the bench. So I'm going to defend him there. DFA'd, that's a stretch. Come on, Jim. You know that's a stretch. You know that's a stretch. I would say that if he was here on the show right now. Come on, dude. Come on. Come on, buddy. Okay. Um, did I say this? This was the Padres' first regular season series win against the Dodgers since June of 2021. Swept the Dodgers in that series. Eric Hosmer was still on the team. Yeah, good times, huh? Not. Well, I think actually at that point it was good times because that was before they had the collapse in 2021, right? They had a really good record. Didn't really have that huge of a deadline, if I remember correctly. And then they collapsed. So, yeah. It was fun then. Wasn't fun at the end, for sure. Uh, another thing that I wanted to hit on here, Fernando Tatis Jr., there were cleats Laker-style cleats that were put out on social media before this series started that were obviously Lakers colors. They were Kobe cleats, I should say. I, I shouldn't say that they were just Laker cleats, but they were Lakers cleats because they were the Lakers colors. And if you were in the upper deck, let's say at Dodger Stadium, and Tatis actually wore these cleats, he didn't, but the tweet that came out from Darren Ravel said that he was going to wear it. He did not, which I'm thankful for, and I'll get to that here in a second. If he would have, you would have thought those are just Lakers cleats. You probably would not have seen the number on the cleats. Okay? So here are the cleats for the YouTube audience. You can see this here. Obviously, very stylish. I don't know if Major League Baseball did not approve these, and so that's why he didn't wear them. Maybe Tatis saw the reaction and just decided not to wear them. Maybe just himself decided not to wear them at the end of the day here uh, before the series started. But this came out, I believe, on Monday before the series that, yeah, Tatis, he was going to wear these cleats this week during the Dodgers series. And it caused a lot of uh, debate, I guess I should say, on social media. Was this the right thing for Tatis to be doing? I mean, you're playing in Los Angeles. I get it. You're honoring Kobe Bryant. But come on, you're a San Diego player. You're wearing the rival cities, one of their team's colors. Like, come on, you have to be doing that. And that's kind of where I stand on it. Like, at the end of the day, 
I wasn't going to lose sleep over it. If Tatis ended up wearing those cleats, I was not going to lose sleep that, oh, Tatis wore Lakers colored cleats in Los Angeles. Talk about Dodger loving, LA loving, right? I hate, I hate Los Angeles, right? I think people that know me know that I am not a fan of Los Angeles. I'm not a fan of Los Angeles anything. Like Kawhi Leonard, San Diego State, all that, cool. But it's not like I'm going and rooting for the Los Angeles Clippers. Don't like L.A. So I was not going to be a fan of Tatis wearing those cleats. Because, again, here's, here it is again. I get it. 24-8, you're honoring Kobe. But can't you honor Kobe in another way? I mean, in that Cardinal series, didn't he have his dad like put on the cleat? He could have just had that with Kobe. Have Kobe's face be on the cleat. Or whatever, you know? Not just purple and yellow. Purple and gold, the colors. Laker colors. You know, like, kind of get a feel here. Why? Why? And I'm glad he didn't do it. You know, so we don't have to talk about this for an hour. But it was out there that, oh, Tatis, he was going to wear Laker cleats. I was not going to be a big fan of that if that happened. Like, you're a San Diego Padres star. And you're going to go to Dodger Stadium and go wear the rival city's team's colors. I get it. It's not Dodger cleats. That would be totally different. But if he was going to do that, and those cleats, I assume those cleats were mocked up. Like, yes, Tatis, he was actually thinking about wearing them. Maybe he obviously thought, why, I don't know about wisely. He thought again and decided not to wear them. Or maybe the cleats didn't arrive on time. I don't know. Because this is scheduled out months in advance. Annie Holbrun did a piece on this earlier in the year. But it's like, again, I would have had that thought of, you didn't have to do that. Like, you can honor Kobe by, I don't know, a wristband or a, a social media message or writing 24 in the dirt or something you could have kobe cleats his face on the cleats but the the laker colors is what would have probably pissed me off um i wasn't going to lose sleep over it but it was just like really come on why 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 this is again tatis i don't think he hates los angeles so it's obviously two different viewpoints it's me who has lived in San Diego my whole life, and my parents, who hate L.A. I hate L.A. It's just a family thing. Obviously, Chargers, they go to L.A., hate L.A. even more, can't stand L.A., and it just transitions to other sports. Obviously, hate the Dodgers, hate the team that left, hate everything, right? That's just the way it is. And so when I see a San Diego player potentially wearing that city's colors, that's going to irritate me a little bit. But again, it didn't happen, so it's not that big of a deal. Not the end of the world. Even if he did wear them, it's cleats at the end of the day. Like, all I, What I care about most is the Padres winning games, right? And it just didn't happen this year. So it would have just been something, another thing to complain about, right? That's what it would have been. Okay. All right, I want to hit on you, Darvish, being shut down here after this. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. 
You can visit their website, gagleonbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so you, Darvish, it was announced during this Dodgers series that he has been shut down for the season. The update there, stress reaction, not a fracture, stress reaction, but he could, it could turn into a fracture, I should say. So what the Padres are doing here, and I think it's the right decision, they are waiting five, six weeks. Darvish is going to wait five to six weeks before they know if surgery is going to be needed. It doesn't seem like surgery is the likeliest thing to happen here, but he has been through this before where I believe he had surgery. Took him a little bit with the Cubs to get back to being effective. So maybe that's what's in store here with the Padres and you, Darvish. And if that's the case, that's more questions about the rotation. How is you, Darvish, going to look when he comes back? What's going to happen here? More trouble, more depth probably needed in the offseason. So hopefully that, that, that doesn't happen. I gave more of a reaction to this in a separate video on YouTube, so you can go watch that if you missed it. But I, look, it's the right move, right? Darvish, disappointing season, I think. He's had, he had some good outings, no doubt about that, but it was a lot of inconsistency, I thought, from Darvish. And I think he would, if he was evaluating his season, I think he'd say it was a disappointing season. He didn't reach one win above replacement. He had an ERA above 450. Didn't make 25 starts. Less than 140 innings. Didn't get anywhere near 200 strikeouts. And I know 200 strikeouts, that's hard to do. Right? But you look at, let's say, last year, for example, right? And the workload that happened last year. He almost got the 200 innings last year. He's not even close to that this year. The strikeouts, three away from 200 last year. Not even close to that. He got one away from 200 strikeouts in 2021. So, you know, first year of this deal, right? Five more years after this, almost $80 million. It's not a good start to this deal, for sure. Am I concerned? I'd be lying if I said I was definitely not concerned at all. Musgrove, I'm at that level where I'm not concerned at all right now. And I might end up being an idiot for that, but right now I'm not concerned at all with that. I think that's just uh, shut him down for this year, and we'll get to him in a second. With Darvish, it's different because of the age and the innings that, that are on that arm, the fact that he has dealt with this before, and there was a surgery. I believe, I think that's what Dennis Lynn said. There was a surgery involved in this before, and it took him a little bit to get back. He's 36, so I know I'm not getting younger. No one's getting younger. It's just not how it works, but I'll be, you know what I'm talking about when I say he's not getting younger. He's not in his second or third year. He's probably not in his prime anymore. He's definitely on the back nine, and I think that there's still effective you Darvish in there for sure because he prepares probably better than almost anyone he works his butt off trying to improve if something's not working he's going to find a way to get better in another area to compensate for that right he's, it seems like he's always trying to develop new pitches always trying to learn so I think he can still be a good pitcher for the Padres I'm not saying that he's going to suck for the next five years 
or the next couple years, and the Padres are going to release him because he can't pitch anymore. I'm not going. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying first year of this deal, not off to a good start. Disappointing year, and he can bounce back, but I don't think I'm. I don't think Padre fans. I don't think I am going to have that collective sigh of relief until the five six week mark is hit. And it's like, okay, Darvish doesn't need surgery. He's feeling better. He'll have a regular offseason. That's when I'll take that sigh of relief, you know. Um, and hopefully next year, let's say he can be healthy going into spring training, he will have a, a, a more effective year, a more consistent year, a better start to 2023. Because I believe he missed his first start or first couple starts of 2023 because he wasn't built up because of the World Baseball Classic with Japan. He had a minimized role. He thought, at least I think he thought, that he was going to start multiple games there. And he was coming out of the bullpen for the most part there for Team Japan. So that set him back a little bit. Obviously, that's not an excuse for the entire year, but it is a contributing factor to the beginning of the season. And obviously this, that popped up, just inconsistency. So I'm hoping that next year, obviously, will be better. And... He's going to be an important part in this starting rotation, no doubt about it, because there's already question marks going into the offseason if we assume that Darvish and Musgrove are good. Waka, is he coming back? Lugo, is he coming back? Snell, we don't think he's coming back. How are they going to replace Blake Snell in that production? I don't think it's very reasonable to expect, oh, you can just bring someone in and they will have a Cy Young season for you. You know, the way Blake Snell is pitching. But how are they going to replace him? How are they going to replace Seth Lugo, who I think has been, I think he's outperformed expectations, out of the rotation at least, during this Padres one year here. And he has a player option, so he's probably going to not take that and go to free agency. We'll see if the Padres bring him back. But there's questions. So if Darvish isn't healthy and this becomes a problem for 2024, doesn't start the season on time or whatever, that's, that's not going to be a good start to 2024. And you could say, well, the offense is going to be better next year. Maybe some prospects will come up. Dodgers were able to overcome the adversity this year. Padres can do that next year with a better offense. Okay, you can say that, but the Padres last year, they had healthy guys down the stretch, and they went on that run. Like, guys were healthy. I know there was no Tatis, and... Didn't have Xander, but they had healthy guys. They had guys clicking, right? And the Dodgers have a track record of winning even when there's adversity in the regular season. And having guys come up from their farm system and replace those guys that are hurt. The Padres don't have a history of that. Their history is those guys coming up, being disappointments, then being traded somewhere, and those guys turning into better players, players that... The Padres thought they were going to be in San Diego. Instead, they end up being those players elsewhere, you know, in, in different places. So, or they're talented. They just trade them for a guy that's already proven. And that guy comes to the Padres and doesn't meet expectations and underperforms a little bit or underperforms a lot. So, yeah, I can't really compare the Padres and the Dodgers and have confidence that guys will just step up next year. Because where's the track record of that happening in this organization? The Dodgers, it's different because there's a track record of that, you know? 
Um, all right. I want to hit on Joe Musgrove. That's another one here. There was a Joe Musgrove update this week during this Dodgers series as well. And Joe Musgrove, he wants to pitch for the Padres again in 2023. One more appearance. It seems like he wants to have one inning at the big league level. And I'll read this quote that he had, that he gave to Kevin Acey of the San Diego Union Tribune. And I definitely understand his thinking behind this. But it still doesn't make sense to me. If I put myself in Joe Musgrove's spot as a player, it'll make a little bit more sense. But sitting here as a Padres fan that really wants Joe Musgrove to be healthy and have a great season in 2024, I don't understand what the point in, his, in him coming and trying to come back to pitch one inning at a big league, at the big league level in a big league ball game against the Chicago White Sox in the second to last game of the season or something like that. You know, Musgrove says this quote, I'm obviously very cautious. If anything pops up that doesn't feel right, I'm going to slow it down and probably eliminate that opportunity. So, okay, I like that. Cautious. I would love to get back and have one more chance, whether it's an opening role or one inning of relief. I know it's like the risk reward is a big question, but I feel healthy and I'm very cautious of where I'm at. I'm aware of the same things that they're worried about me pushing too much and affecting next year. So I'm in the mindset of taking it day to day still and following the program as it says with the ultimate end goal of things being perfect and getting one more appearance. So things would have to be perfect for Joe to come back. And maybe they will be perfect, but the perfect thing there is the Padres winning like 15 games in a row and somehow they're in it. And it's like, yeah, Joe, you could pitch a meaningful inning for the Padres here. That's like a perfect situation. It's not, in my mind, the perfect situation is not, oh, Joe just feels great and there's no setback at all. And he goes and pitches an inning to build that confidence back, you know, mentally going into the offseason and going into 2024, like, hey, I came back from it. My shoulder's fine. And I, again, from the player perspective, I, I understand it a little bit more. I still don't think it's the right thing to, to be doing. I think you should shut it down to have a strong offseason and be ready for 2024, like Manny Machado and like the Potters are doing with you, Darvish. But I get that a little bit more from the player perspective. But as a fan, it's like, what's the point of doing that? Pitching one inning in a meaningless game. And what happens? You know, fans, right? We think negatively for anything like this. Joe Musgrove, he's on the mound, let's say, October 1st or September 28th or whatever. One of the last games of the year. He makes it back. Everything's perfect health-wise. And he's on the mound. And the third pitch that he throws, he feels shoulder pain and has to exit the game. How are Padres fans going to feel? How's Joe going to feel? How's Bob Melvin going to feel? How's the training staff going to feel? How's A.J. Preller going to feel? How's Peter Souther going to feel that paid $100 million to this guy? Right? Like, is it worth it to come back for one year, for one inning, excuse me, one inning as an opener, as a reliever, is it worth it when your team is not in it? And for me, the answer to that is no. I love Joe Musgrove and Manny Machado wanting to be there for their team and being on the field, wanting to compete. I love that. Jake Cronenworth, you could say the same thing about him, obviously, 
he's not coming back just because that was like a totally different thing, right? Totally fractured wrist, and you're, you're not coming back from that. I get it. But I love the competitiveness, right? And Juan Soto wants to play every single game this year, and I respect it, right? Because you're getting paid a lot of money, and if we were in your spot, we probably would want to be playing every day, and we wouldn't want to let the fans down who come to watch you. I get it. I respect it. But again, I go back. It's kind of like the Manny thing. He's here for another decade. Musgrove's here for another four years after this year. We need Joe Musgrove for 2024. I don't want anything happening to, happening to this guy. And so him getting back on the mound and pitching in a game situation for an inning, opener, relief, okay, it could give you confidence going into the offseason. I think Joe has confidence, even if he doesn't pitch this one inning. He's got confidence. I think he believes in himself. I believe in the work that he does in the offseason. And I'm willing to take that risk of him maybe hurting himself in spring training or something or being less confident going into spring training or in the regular season next year because he didn't get this one inning. I'm willing to risk that more than I'm willing to risk him coming out here for a meaningless baseball game because at least spring training is going to be meaningful because you're getting ready for the season. At least the regular season's meaningful because you got to win those games to get to the postseason, as the Padres saw this season, right? But these games here are literally meaningless. They're the opposite of meaningful to this Padres team on the field. Season's over. Do the right thing and shut it down. And have a strong offseason and come back and be better in 2024. That would be my message to Joe Musgrove, to Manny Machado, to anyone that is dealing with a significant injury that is under control long-term for this Padres team. That's how I feel about that. All right, back after this. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of 
$10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, there. before I get to the chat here, there was Fernando Tatis Jr. who also had some comments, this time to Dennis Lynn. And his comments were about what he thinks is going to happen in 2023. He was very optimistic. And there were a lot of Dodger fans that made fun of this. But I think Tatis is making good points here. He thinks that the Padres are going to have a huge year next year. And that Fernando himself is going to have a huge year next year. Dennis Lynn, he wrote this piece. I recommend you go check it out at The Athletic. Comparing like Acuna and Fernando. Acuna came back from injury and he's having a monster year this year, right? Could very well go win the MVP. He's having a historic season. So fun to watch. And Tatis here, not so great season this year and could have a monster year next year. And Tatis, talking to Dennis Lynn here, says, definitely looking forward to that in 2024, like his season. I mean, just being out of the game itself is not easy at all, and it's proven to be good at the game, you need to be playing the game. Simple as that. You can't come out of nowhere and just be the same guy that you've always been. But I know for sure that next year is going to be a monster year, not only for myself, but for the team. Definitely, I've been weaker than I've ever been before, Tati said later in the article. He added, and you know, look at still what I'm capable of doing on the baseball field with him being weak. So those were the two quotes that I posted on social media and over like 130,000 people, I think, have seen the tweet. And a lot of it is Dodger fans and other fans like, oh, definitely I've been weaker than I've ever been before. Why? I wonder why. You know, I'm talking about steroids from last year, obviously, right? Maybe that wasn't the best thing for him to say. But I understand what he was saying. He's not saying because of stare, lost the ball or whatever he claims that he used last year, right? He's not saying that. He's saying that this year has taken a toll on him. He just had multiple surgeries. He's been playing pretty much every day, like literally every game the Padres have played entering, I believe, Sunday against the Astros, every game that he could when he was eligible to return from the suspension. He's played in every single game. And that was not the plan going into the season. Like Bob Melvin wanted to rest him way more than he ended up resting him, which was one game on Sunday against the Astros, right? And so he is taxed. And he did not have a full offseason to train and get stronger and get fully ready for the 2023 season. Adjusting to pitching. His upper body, he mentioned in the athletic article that he didn't have a full off-season training, I don't think, for upper body. So that obviously affects things because your legs take a toll. And so maybe you try to compensate with the upper body. But what if you don't have as strong of the upper body as you've had in previous years because you didn't, you, you were restricted in training those areas in some parts of the off-season? Why? Because you had the wrist surgery. You had shoulder surgery, right? So, yeah, and I'm not even talking about him being out of the game, missing the entire 2022 season and then the, the first 20 games of this year. I'm just talking about the physical effects of the surgery and him playing every day after the surgery, right? 
So I think he's only going to get stronger. He's going to have a full offseason. He's going to have, hopefully, a unlimited offseason in terms of like what he can do, weight room and all, lower body, upper body, all of that. And yeah, as he said here, being out of the game itself, it's not easy at all. You're not going to just jump out of bed and be Fernando Tatis Jr. again. And right from the get-go, from the beginning, it was like, oh, wow, Fernando's back. But baseball's a long season. And it can hum humble you, for sure. You can just go ask Fernando. Go ask a lot of different players that have good starts to seasons and then, you know, dog days or whatever. They have that big slump, and then they look at the end of the year and your numbers are down compared to other seasons, right? I mean, you can look at Tatis's numbers here compared to his first three seasons in the big leagues. OPS and all that. Obviously, didn't play 2022, but this year he has a lower OPS. 2021, 975 OPS this year through, I think, Tuesday night, 781 OPS. Slugging 611 in 2021, it's 459 this year. 322 on base percentage this year, 364 in 2021. 282 average in 2021, 259 average this year. Like, numbers are down. So, I'm hoping that this is going to be a Ronald Acuna Jr. thing. Like, both guys are insane athletes. And I believe Tatis will have a better year next year. And hopefully, he sees people on social media still making jokes about him and all that, right? And he can use that as motivation going into next year, win that freaking MVP. And the Padres can be a postseason team in a big part thanks to Fernando next year. And the Padres can win the whole dang thing. Because that would be great. Because he's getting a lot on social media. Dodger fans. There was a Dodger fan, I guess, that through the PED thing on the field during this series. They're still doing that. Prove them wrong. Go back to being Fernando Tatis Jr., the real amazing 2021 Fernando Tatis Jr. next year. That's what I hope. And so, yeah, I, I like I the quote. You know, definitely looking forward to next year. And it was, it was, I thought it was good reasons, you know, weaker than he's been and all the time that he had to miss, all the time that he's been on the field. He's had his shoulder wrapped up a lot post-game. You know, when they're at home and you can see the video, he's had his shoulder wrapped up. So I'm thinking it's going to be a good year next year for Fernando. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. I'm not going to predict that he's going to hit like 60 home runs or anything like that but uh yeah another year in the outfield i think he'll be even better there he'll be more comfortable full season regular spring training all of that so i can't wait can't wait to see what happens in 2024 because the season's already over and i just want the season to be done but also 2024 you know it's a, it's, a, it's a blank slate, and Tatis, I think, again, with the full offseason, he's going he's gonna to be better. He's going to be better. All right, let's get to the chat here. Jung-Hoo Lee says, what's up? What's up? Carrie, hello. Hopefully you're doing well. 
It's like 1 a.m. over there, so props to you for staying up. Um, Antonio, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like L.A. at all. Yeah, that must have been during the Tatis combo there with the cleats. Yeah, not a fan. Um, I've been there once, and that wasn't for like a Dodger game, Pottery Dodger game or anything like that. Um, it was actually going up to Staples Center to watch uh, Sparks against the Storm in the WNBA. That was fine. Like There were some good fans there, nice fans, but I'm just not a fan of L.A. I've, I've just been conditioned like that my entire life. Growing up in San Diego, you hate L.A. That's why it was weird. Some probably saw it on social media. The, the quick video that I posted of that, what should I call her? Dodger fan? Padre fan? I don't know what I should call her. But she was wearing a Padre hat, I want to say, a Padre jersey, but she had a Dodger shirt on. And she, took like, she was like unveiling the Dodger shirt to the broadcast. This was like pregame before, I think, yesterday's game. And I'm like, what the heck? That's a no-no. That's a crime in my household. In my family, that is a no-no. That is not going to happen. You don't do that. You pick one. And if you pick the blue one, you're probably kicked out of the house. That's just the way it is. <laughs> you know? You, you don't, you're not allowed to have, oh, you're, it's okay. You can be a Padre and Dodger fan. They're close to each other. They're both in California. What if she just loves the state? No. That, what? No. Go ask Yankee fans. Are you allowed to wear Red Sox stuff? You can be a Red Sox fan too? No. You pick one. You pick one. Uh, Logan says, great series win. Yes, it was. Shannon, I'll get to your super chat. Thank you so much. One second. Uh, Logan says, dream offseason is get Cody Bellinger and Aaron Nola. Nola, I think, would be cheaper than Snow. Obviously not coming off of a Cy Young season. But, I mean, the Phillies, they're in a better spot than the Padres are in right now. Like they're, It seems like they're going to be a consistent contender. They're a postseason team. They just made it to the World Series last year. Nola is familiar with the Phillies. His, it's not like his brother's in the big leagues with the Padres. And it's guaranteed, yeah, he'll be a starting catcher next year for the Padres. So I can play with my brother. No, that's not a guarantee. So it's not even like the Padres have that advantage. So I don't see the Padres landing Aaron Nola, but I'd love him. Just looking at the track record, I think he's more reliable than Blake Snell. Innings, he's usually up there in innings. I haven't paid super close attention to how he's doing in 2023. Yeah, ERA is not great. 464, 176 in a third innings. But if you look at his past seasons, I mean, he's consistently over 200 innings. 205 innings in 2022. 180, 2021, but 2019. 202 and a third. 2018, when he was an all-star, 212 and a third. You know, all-star appearance, top seven Cy Young, 2020, short season, but whatever. Uh, Cy Young, top four there. So he's there. But the Phillies, they have money to spend. Would they rather have Aaron Nola or would they rather have Blake Snell? They probably would rather have the guy that they're comfortable with and they know better than Blake Snell, and who pitches more innings than Blake Snell, and who will be cheaper than Blake Snell. So I'd give the Phillies the edge there on that. And Bellinger, 
that, that I don't know. There's red flags there, and we'll probably get into that a lot more in the offseason because there's going to be plenty of time to talk about that. Padres, yeah, it seems like it would be a positional fit, right? You don't want Trent Grisham starting. You can move Tatis to center, or you can just have Bellinger play center because he plays center pretty well. Or you could have Bellinger play first because he does that. He can DH like that. It's a fit. But the Padres love signing guys and overpaying for guys coming off of their peak season, right? They've done that a lot, it seems like. And you overpay, let another owner make that, that dumb decision. Because I just don't believe that Bellinger is the 2022-23, excuse me. I don't think he's the 2023 Bellinger. Like, for real. He's going to do that every year. If he's not going to do that every year, it's not worth giving him a whatever. I mean, I think he's a Boris client. So what is he looking for? Six, seven years, maybe? Probably. Maybe longer. I'm not giving him that. To overpay for Cody Bellinger? Let's not, let's not forget the three years before he came to the Cubs. What happened? It wasn't that great, right? I think he was on the bench at one point for the Dodgers. Or if he wasn't, he was hitting down in the lineup. And he was only in there because, well, Cody Bellinger has power potential. And the defense, the defensive versatility as well, that's why. So I'm not going to – I think Bob Nightingale in his notebook, he mentioned like $200 million the other day. Or what? maybe that was for Snell. I forget who it was. But the $200 million number came up. And if that was Bellinger, I'm like, huh, heck no. Heck no. Go sign someone for one or two years. And you can figure it out later. I'm not giving Bellinger. I'm not. No. Give that money to Juan Soto. I'd rather have Soto long-term than overpay for Bellinger. Give that money to Hassan Kim or whoever. But Bellinger, I just don't have a great feeling about him. Antonio says, I think the Padres should sign Gary Sanchez. I think so, too. But we'll see if he just follows Blake Snell somewhere. If another team's willing to give him more years, more money. We'll see. Shannon, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to support the channel like Shannon, you can use that super chat button. Greatly appreciated here on this Wednesday night. Shannon, just short and sweet. Love your show. Thank you so much. I love Padres fans. I love this audience. I don't just do it because I like talking about the Padres. You know, that's obviously a big reason why. But I love doing it with other passionate Padre fans as well. You now it's 11 o'clock at night, and there's some people still in the chat. So thank you. Thank you all. Anyone that supports, uh, definitely. Thank you so much. I, I definitely appreciate you. Um, love Padres fans. I just hope that the Padres can win a World Series before we die, right? Like, that's that's the main goal here. So that's that's where my passion, you know, really stems from, right? Like, just that that hunger to, I don't control it, obviously, but just that that really desire for Padres fans to get that joy to, to you know, win that World Series. One time. Just one. That's all I'm asking for. I'll probably want more after that, but just for now, you know, get that one. Uh, Shannon says, so glad Toddy got a base, uh, base hit off of Kelly. Yeah. What happened earlier this year? It was, I think, Kelly, he, I think, 
made Tatis go to the ground because he almost hit him. And then, oh, yeah, it was, I think he called Tatis a, a B. Effing B, I think is what he said on the broadcast. I think you could see him, like, you could, if you lip read, you could see that. It was at Petco Park earlier this year. So he got the last laugh on the season. But, I mean, I can't really say much. I mean, the Dodgers, they're the ones going to the postseason. The Padres are not. Joe Kelly's the one that's going to be pitching in the postseason where Tatis is going to be sitting on his couch, you know, or he's going to be back in the Dominican Republic or whatever. So can't really talk that much crap. Yeah, that's what it was, Shannon. Yep. For the YouTube audience, you can see that comment right there, and that's what it was. Yep. All right. One San Diego sports, or a couple San Diego sports topics that I wanted to hit on. So San Diego State. This weekend, they got a matchup against Oregon State. Oregon State, they're a top 20 team in the country. They're a better team, better offensive team, I think, than UCLA. And we saw that UCLA was a tough task for San Diego State, too tough of a task for San Diego State last weekend. And it wasn't pretty. And this one's on the road. It's not like it's at home. Maybe the Padre, Padres, maybe the Aztecs will. That's what happens when you talk about the Padres for an hour. The Padres, just that's the, the name that you go to. The Aztecs, maybe the Aztecs will be able to catch Oregon State looking ahead. I don't know. I don't see this game being particularly close. Uh, I'm just looking at the Oregon State numbers, and they crushed UC Davis, I think, last weekend. Not even close. Something that San Diego State probably should have done to a team like Idaho State or Ohio uh, in the first couple of weeks, if we wanted to feel good about the offense, but that's not what happened. So, yeah, don't feel great going into this Oregon State matchup, but, hey, it's college football. Upsets may happen, so we'll see what happens there. San Diego Loyal, they also play this weekend. They play Louisville City. That is on Saturday at 4.30. San Diego Wave, they play on Saturday. That's at 7. And San Diego Loyal, I believe there's going to be, I saw San Diego Wave, they posted about this. There's going to be a watch party um, outside Snapdragon Stadium, I believe, during the Fan Fest, where you'll be able to watch San Diego Loyal before San Diego Wave plays. So do that. Buy a ticket to San Diego Wave's match. You can come for that little watch party there and then head into Snapdragon Stadium for that 7 p.m. match. San Diego Wave facing off against Kansas City Current. Kansas City Current, they're, I think, last in the table. So San Diego Wave definitely should win this. And if they do, that will be, I believe, four consecutive wins on the season in this regular season for San Diego Wave. And then they'd be going into that really, really exciting Portland Thorns matchup on September 30th. First, the international break, but then the Portland Thorns matchup in Portland. So that will be really cool to watch. Uh, but yeah, Saturday, 7 p.m., San Diego Wave, if you go look at the NWSL table right now, they're in first at 30 points, Portland's in second. I believe Sophia Smith still has that knee injury, so Wave have an advantage in terms of health right now. 30 points for Wave, Thorns at 29 in second place, North Carolina 28 points, O.L. Reign at 27 points, Gotham at 27 points, Washington Spirit at 26. Those are the six playoff teams right now 
if the season ended today. Obviously, it doesn't. Racing Louisville, Angel City, they're still fighting for a postseason spot for that sixth and final spot. So we will see. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But San Diego Wave right now, if the season ended today, they would not even have to play in the first round. They would then get to host the, I think they go right to the semis, host the semifinal, and then they would host the championship as well because neutral site, it's at Snapdragon Stadium this year in November. So I cannot wait for that. So we'll see. San Diego Wave, they're in a great position right now. Hoping for their fourth winner, fourth win in a row. It would be their fifth match without a loss. Hoping for that coming up this weekend on Saturday. That's what we got, obviously, this weekend. We got the A's and the Padres in Oakland. All right. I think that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 467. Thank you, everyone, so much for the time. Padres, they knock off the Dodgers here. Take two out of three for the first time since 2021 in the regular season. I'll have more clips out, obviously, of the show. So if you missed any parts of the show and you don't want to go all the way back through the live stream, you can probably just go watch one of the clips that I'll put out here over the next couple of days. And then Padres A's coming up on Friday, off day on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Oakland. Probably like 500 fans there. Tickets are probably like five bucks. So maybe you take a flight up there and go watch Padres A's. We'll, we'll see how it ends up going. We'll see if Manny ends up playing. It would be so Padres to beat the Dodgers and then lose the series to the A's. We'll see what happens. All right, Ben Fadden signing off. Thank you so much, everyone, for the time. Have a great rest of your night.